Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 66. And we are super, super excited, not just super, but super excited to have Chris Green with us. Uh, thanks for being on, Chris. Hey, Andy, Amy, I'm happy to be here. This is going to be an exciting show. Yeah, absolutely. So the, what we like to do when we get started out is uh, get, get, get a little background on you, you know, get people to, to know who you are, where you came from, you know, how you got to where you are now. So tell us about like, you know, where you're born, where you live now, jobs, college, school, uh, family, kind of anything you want to share with us, anything you want to keep <laughs> secret, we won't force you. Well, how long is this show? Because I mean, that's, that's you just said give your your complete biography, right? Where yeah, you are, right, where you live. Notes, notes. <laughs> don't forget the blood sample. <laughs> On oh, a blood sample, I, I don't even know my blood type to be honest. I have to look it up. Uh, but I'll give I'll give you like the briefest uh, version of it. I'm originally from Canada. I moved to the United States. I did the legal immigration thing, which is super hard to do. I found out. Big big props to my mom for getting us through that. Uh, and she got us through that pre internet, right? So I'm 42 years old. I did high school with no internet and college with high speed internet. And it's kind of that weird generation, right? Where like, you know what it's like to not have internet and, you, and cell phones and you know 3G, 4G, 5G, and then you know what it's like to have life with it. So she did the immigration thing without the internet. And honestly, I don't know how you could even do that level of paperwork these days. And if that keep track and mail stuff, crazy times. So immigrated to Texas uh, back in 1991. And then for the past 10 years, we've been up in Massachusetts where my wife's family is from. Along the way, I've done, I don't know, 100 different kind of side hustles. Uh, the bigger ones that I'm known for are flipping power tools, doing the retail arbitrage thing from Home Depot to eBay, then over to Amazon. I was one of the very first FBA sellers in the tools and hardware category. Then I needed software because I was like, I was rocking it with these tools and I got into books and, and media. I needed software to kind of automate that FBA process. So I co-founded a company called ScanPower. Uh, and to market that, I kind of started writing books and like long PDFs. And then I was published. And then because I was like the only person published on the topic of Amazon and FBA, they wanted me to speak at events and conferences and all these things. So I became a kind of a, not a reluctant, but like not on purpose public speaker. And I'm speaking about Amazon. And then I get into merch by Amazon. And I'm spending a lot more time with KDP and their Kindle platform. And I still, I want to explore Audible. I want to explore Ignite. These are all Amazon platforms. And, you know, I do get, I don't want to say heat, but like, it's like, well, why do you like Amazon so much? Why are you so pro Amazon? And I'm like, Amazon is a trusted marketplace where customers go ready to buy. So if you want to sell something, whether it's information, whether it's your product, whether it's someone else's product, whether it's a book, apparel, it doesn't matter. You might as well be on Amazon, even if like, you don't, even if you don't like Amazon, like it doesn't matter. Like I don't work for Amazon and they would never hire me because I say all this great things about Amazon and they don't pay me right now. So why would they, why would they start paying me? Right. They got a, they got a good thing going right now. And I really just enjoy trying things that are new. I like trying things and applying them myself. And then I also like sharing those things with other people because I can't write all the books. I can't sell all the tools. I can't do all this stuff. So I kind of built uh, quite a network of people that I help learn these platforms and apply all of Amazon's new technologies to their business. And it was all kind of done accidentally. I didn't intend to do any of this stuff, but here we are. And uh, it's been a fun ride. And yeah, if we can help anyone else who's out there listening, uh, you know, listening live, listening on replay, answer any questions about Amazon, like I'm all for it. I, I talk about this stuff for fun. This is, this is like not work for me. Andy, you're muted, man. 
hit the button. Ah, I hit the button. Um, no, um, it's, uh, it's funny because uh, I'm the exact same age, Chris. I didn't realize we, we were uh, – so we, you were born in 77 then, right? 78, March oh, 78. All right, so just, I'm in December. So yeah, so it's it's funny because yeah, I resonate completely with that. You know, I remember being in in um, in high school and and for the first time, you know, seeing connected computers networking. We played um, World of Warcraft. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like we Starcraft. We were Starcraft. Starcraft two. Starcraft two. But um, the land yeah. party you had to bring your own monitor. Exactly. Right. Like, right. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's funny because uh, yeah, nowadays that would seem archaic, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting to be this age to kind of grow up with and without, like you said, without the technology. I think that we probably appreciate it more because of that, you know. Um, so that's – and uh, what part of Canada were you from? Uh, the southern part, near Toronto. Okay. Uh, cool. So very similar culture, very similar demographic, yeah. similar, very similar uh, currency. Like, honestly, I, I tell us this a little bit of a joke. They never tell you growing up in school that, like, oh, those guys are Americans. They're different than us. We're Canadians. They're Americans. As a kid, you just grow up and, like, you watch, we watched American television, of course. So, like, you know, the thing that stood out to me is I told my mom, I was, of course, watching TV as a kid. And all the commercials about it's Fourth of July, and you're out there doing barbecues and having picnics, and you should buy a new car and a mattress. And then my mom's like getting ready and going to work because it's summertime, so we're not in school, and she's going to work. I'm like, Mom, where are you going? It's Fourth of July. And she's like, <laughs> So, this Canada, like, it's Fourth yeah. of July is not a thing here. And I'm like, like, that's when it finally started to hit. Like, wait a minute, there's like Americans who do things one way, and Canadians do things. Oh, like no one ever explicitly tells you that as a child growing up. You have to kind of figure it out later. That's, and uh, there's a lot of, yeah, th those things happen like over and over again. You look back and be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So I think about those things for my kids, like make sure I'm not like leaving them out. Like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah. there's some really obvious information every person should know. <laughs> so we, have a, we have a lot of like listeners from Australia and it's so weird to me that their kids are in school right now. And like this for our kids, it's the middle of summer, they're not in school, you know, and in Australia, it's the middle of the school year. And it's just, it's crazy to think how we all grow up in different ways and different, celebrate holidays differently. And some holidays don't exist in certain areas. And it's, yeah, it's been a learning curve for me. <laughs> yeah, just things you don't think about. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, when, when did you, I, I know you kind of mentioned it, but like, give us the story on like how you actually got into Amazon. Like, did you take a course? Did you just kind of fall oh, into it? Oh, no. Did you, uh, like, tell us the story on that. Well, I, I started, you know, when I really got big in selling, I was buying power tools like clearance at Home Depots during their big expansion. I was in Dallas, Fort Worth. There were 70 Home Depots within an hour of my house. And I was a power tool sales rep. So I was working for Bosch Power Tools. So I was in the stores every day anyway. And I did that for about five years. But, you know, two and a half, maybe three years in, you start to see the product cycles, the seasonal cycles, the clearance cycles. Like, wait a minute, this is going to happen all over again. And I'm like, dang, this is like a good deal. Like, it's a $500 combo kit for 149 bucks. I could, I could break this thing down. Like the more pieces, the better and kind of start selling them. Uh, so I did that and I was selling on eBay and I was very much a price seller. And I think if people think like their own you know, consumer buying behavior and be like, Oh, like, what do you think about when you buy something? Like, oh, I look for the best price. I look for the best price. But here's, here's a secret tip about Amazon, which means that, or, or that proves that price is not the number one qualifier or, or characteristic people are looking for in a product. When people search Amazon, they search for, or they sort by prime or not prime. They don't start by show me the lowest price. They say, show me prime. And I don't care how low you are. I don't care how good your price is. I don't even want to see you if you're not prime, which is kind of a shot across the bow to someone who's not using FBA, right? There's a place for merchant fulfilled and all that stuff in Amazon. Uh, 
But once I got into, F, so I sent all my power tools to FBA and that's when I got into, I was still undercutting. I was a price seller. Like, oh, I'm gonna undercut everybody. I'm gonna undercut everybody. Uh, and then I got into books and media because I outsourced all my fulfillment. So I had this extra time. Uh, and then I read a book and it was called How to Sell at Margins Higher Than Your Competitors. And I've recommended it for years and it really kind of, it, it proved to me that price is not the number one thing. And it makes total sense when you think about it. Well, I want a good return policy. I want to trust the marketplace. I want to know that I'm actually going to get the product that I ordered. I know I, I want to get it fast. All of these other things that go into it, price being a big factor, but not the number one and not the only. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I started cross-listing. It was, it was awesome that listing on Amazon was free because I was so heavy on eBay. So I was like, eh. Why don't I just try? I'll try Amazon. Sure, I'll list it. Let's see what happens. It ain't gonna sell. I know it ain't gonna sell because it's more. Why wouldn't they just go to eBay and buy the same thing from me for less? And then they just started selling on Amazon. They sold. They sold. I made more money. More money. And typically, an Amazon customer was a lot less maintenance. They weren't emailing me on Sunday night asking if I had already shipped their order. They bought on Sunday morning. You know, the post office isn't even open. Like, relax, eBay buyer. You don't get that from Amazon. And I was like, wait a minute. This makes a lot of sense. So I started pricing my stuff higher, not just because I could, because that's what you know the market wanted. If you're too low, you can be signaling that there's something wrong with your product. Like, is this used? Is this broken? Like, what's wrong? This is too cheap. And I had to learn that the hard way. I think about how much money I left on the table by uh, undercutting. I would only sell something if I could undercut the lowest, already lowest price by at least five bucks. Uh, and then I said, no, forget this. I'm going to be the only FBA offer. I'm going to be the only seller for this product on all of Amazon, even though you can go to eBay and get it cheaper. And just that one tip alone, that one book. And I kept that book. I was going I, I remember scanning it and it wasn't a penny book, which if you're in the books, you know, that penny books are generally just so common. It's not that they're not good. This supply and demand just makes them incredibly cheap. And this was not a penny book. So it stood out and I was like, all right, so why? Why is this book standing out? Why are people paying more than a penny for this book? Why is this book kind of stood the test of time somehow? So I read it. And honestly, if, if I hadn't, I'd probably still be you know, undercutting and being a, a, a lowball seller uh, on eBay. So I, it's a timeless book. It, it, it's not, you can read it today. It's going to have all the same uh, principles, probably even more so now. There are so many more prime buyers that put tons of things ahead of price. I got to be prime. I mean, for Pete's sakes, if it's not prime, honestly, you got to give me a real good reason to buy your stuff. If it's not prime, that, that was, yeah, that's how I really got started into it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And, and I love the the book suggestions. I've, you know, got the, the, uh, audible account that I <laughs> continuously fill while I'm driving is my favorite time to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to digest all that stuff. So that'll be totally added to my list. Um, so in terms of, and, and actually one thing that I, that I actually figured out too is, um, you know, for my catalog, at least we have like, you know, we're, we're paring down SKUs, but at one point we had like 800 SKUs. And even a price change of 50 cents to a dollar, like people don't realize, like even a, a small price change, um, if you have a lot of products, can really affect your margin a lot. Um, so it's, it's super interesting to, to play with pricing and to really um, figure out, you know, how you can, uh, you know, because your conversions will sometimes go down if you price higher. Uh, but that's where you play with those numbers and, and kind of try to find the sweet spot. So that, that's a really great point. And, and, and that's not talked about enough, I think. Um, I think Amy, um, actually, uh, Chris, uh, for the people who are listening now who don't know what print on demand is, can you kind of give them an overview of what print on demand? That's kind of, you know, between that and KDP, that's kind of what you're into now and kind of what, what you're the, the master of. Can you give a, just a quick overview of what print on demand is so people who don't know what it is uh, can, can wrap their, their head around it? 
Yeah, of course. So, so print on demand, it's existed for a long time. I, I bet a lot of people are familiar with the name Cafe Press. They may have heard something about a company called Zazzle. So these are just companies that will offer things. And when an order comes in, they'll pull a blank. It used to be like a blank mouse pad. Like that was like what Cafe Press was known for. But now it's t-shirts. It can be pop sockets. It can be cell phone cases. Uh, it can be as virtually any product. And the more the more products that can, this can be done with print on demand, the better because it reduces price, increases selection, and you're actually gonna get your products faster because they can store them closer to the customers. But it means that you can offer a product on Amazon or eBay or your own website. When the order comes in, then you actually make the product. Now you have to have the, the materials, the supplies, the blanks, whatever it might be, but you're not having to make all these things and then cross your fingers, hope somebody wants to buy them or wait on, you know, have to ship them all the way from China, all this stuff, it's print on demand. So you can offer so much more selection without or in combination with not having to pay up front for a lot of inventory. So it allows greater selection and leads to lower prices. And it's not new. It's been around for a while. But KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, which used to be just for Kindle and then they had to create space. They've combined now into one, kdp.amazon.com. It's nice. It's easier. It's so much better. And Merch by Amazon. Merch being short for Merch. So, someone muted me by accident there. <laughs> Am I back? You're back. Yeah, you're back. So you said in Merch by Amazon, that's where you were at. Yeah, and Merch by Amazon being short for merchandise, merch.amazon.com is more heavily focused on apparel right now, but you know they want to get into all these other platforms, but of course, or other types of products. But because these are on Amazon, that means you now have print-on-demand products, which means you don't have to invest in inventory, which means you don't have to spend any money, and you can offer all these products on Amazon and Prime eligible. Like those are the two things that make this work. If they weren't on Amazon and Prime eligible, I would not be as interested in these platforms. They would not be as powerful. They would not uh, be able to do the things that, 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 they are, that they're able to do. Um, that's the key. And that's why like, I'm such an Amazon guy and I'm such a Prime guy. And I really, I reinforce as much as I can the power of Amazon Prime and how it pushes the market and how you can take advantage uh, of, of the opportunities and how you can sell to these customers who generally spend more uh, and go to Amazon first and all these things. That's what makes this work. That's what makes this exciting. And you know, I know they asked for a quick answer, but they, this, to me, this is really important. Jeff Bezos get up, got up on a stage. He told this story where he says, you know, what, what have we been working on for 20 years? We've been working on the three things that we know customers want, right? Like, I, I wish I could go, I go find this exact uh, thing. I think everybody should watch it. Uh, he says, there's three things we know what customers want. We're not going to sit around and be like, well, what do you think they want? Or what do you think they want next year? We know what they want. They want lower prices. They want more selection. They want to get their stuff fast. And that's what Amazon has invested in over and over, billions and billions, if not trillions of dollars over the past 20 years to say, look, we know our customers. Like, it sounds so easy. It almost sounds too boring. Like, what company would want to work on these? That's boring. Well, that's what customers want, and we know they want it. We're not going to guess. And print-on-demand aligns with all three of those things. Print-on-demand means they that. can... Yeah. Think about it. Print-on-demand no. on East Coast, West Coast, Central, you can get your stuff faster. Right? As no inventory. Mentioned. Stuff's cheaper. Anything you want, ultimate selection. So you know they're going to stick with it. So as you mentioned, Chris, um, you know, the, the benefit of using Amazon's print-on-demand platforms, such as Kindle Direct Publishing or KDP, you can create an account for free, you can publish a low or no content book, you can publish a fully content book, you can do tons of really fun things, um, and you have the benefits of Prime. You're talking about merch, Amazon merch, merch.amazon.com, where you can do t-shirts, pop sockets, 
tank tops, anything you want, front and back, print it on the shirt, and you're just, it's free to sign up, and you're just creating the design, so you're taking your time to create the design, or you can outsource the design, or there's a few, um, you know, great design companies that offer free designs once in a while. You know, there's many different ways to get designs, but bottom line, you can learn how to make a t-shirt design and you can put it out there. And if it sells, Amazon prints it, delivers it to the customer via Prime, and you get paid. So you're not having to invest in a whole bunch of inventory, which is where people get nervous, right? So those are the primary print-on-demand platforms that we're talking about in terms of Amazon. But you mentioned the biggest thing, why you focus on Amazon is the power of Prime. But there's so many, you also said print on demand has been around for a long time before Amazon started doing it. So there's a lot of people that make a lot of money with print on demand on platforms other than Amazon. So would you recommend any other platforms outside of Amazon for print on demand? Do you recommend any of the, you know, platforms that offer integration with Amazon, even though they don't do Prime. And let's talk about that. Yeah, well, Amazon Prime and, and KDP and all the things that I talk about are not exclusive. Uh, so you, you can use Amazon or you, know, you can use KDP, you can use Merch by Amazon uh, and still use other print-on-demand sites. You can use the ones that offer different products. Amazon's fairly new to this, right? So they have a limited selection. So if you're like, hey, I really wish I could do coffee mugs. I really wish I could do uh, like, like a specific type of apparel that Amazon doesn't, then by all means use a different one. And to me, it's just like people go to Amazon, they're already in buying mode. Right? Like I'm not looking to open up a Facebook store. Like people on Facebook are looking to escape and scroll and do all this stuff. They're not looking to buy. You have to like really interrupt them and you know do the whole like funnel thing. Uh, but at Amazon, you know they're there to buy. They're there to shop. They're, they're there to at least browse, maybe put stuff in, in their cart. But none of this stuff is exclusive. So examples of when you would want to use uh, something else, they have a, a type of product that Amazon doesn't, or at least doesn't yet, uh, or they ship to a country that Amazon is not currently shipping to. Uh, with, with this whole COVID and quarantine thing, uh, and, and Amazon is, you know, they have to adhere to the policies of the states where their warehouses are located. So if Pennsylvania says, no, we got to shut all this stuff down, then all of a sudden stuff's not shipping out. And it might be that in a different warehouse, in a different state, stuff is still shipping. So you got to kind of adjust. And, you know, as loyal as I am to Amazon, like if something else makes more sense, I all, I'll use something else. It's all good. Uh, I just like the simplicity of Amazon. In general, Amazon's going to be uh, the most inexpensive option because they're not looking to make a margin. They're looking to make minimum margin so they can reinvest in, you know, dominating the market and getting all of the market instead of collecting like seller fees and some of these things. Uh, but I think one of the, the biggest benefits to this, whether you're, you know, an FBA seller or you just want to do print on demand or you're just getting into this is you can test, right? You can put things up without spending money. And I try to help so many people. And I, I always try to stay away from, Hey, you need to sign up for this. You need to go buy, you know, buy this and do that. Because what if it's not the right thing for them? Right. But with print on demand, you can try all these things without spending any money. You can have product pages on Amazon that when they sell, Amazon will do all the work and you get money. And it almost becomes a hard sell. They're like, that seems too good to be true. Why would it? Like if I said, Hey, Hey, FBA seller, what if I gave you an Amazon product page with $8 margin? And you don't have to replenish. You don't have to extend an inventory. You don't have to do anything. But every time their product sells, you're going to get eight dollars, and, and you can run ads to it. I don't care what you do. You'd be like, "That sounds too good to be true." I, I don't know. Like, that sounds like I should like pay you like at least five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to set that up. It's like, no, it's free. And honestly, I get pushback. They're like, people don't 
believe it. But once they try it, and, and I, I think I'm a great example of this because I went from eBay to Amazon to FBA to print on demand. So the, the Amazon, you know, shipping my own orders, Amazon to FBA, Amazon, once you go FBA and then you got to go, then you get that merchant fulfilled order. And you're like, oh man, why <laughs> even got that box? Like it's, it almost seems torturous. And then you, get the, you get the return for the merchant fulfilled order and you're like, oh, oh come on. <laughs> but Dang, it wasn't that, that hard. <laughs> yeah. But, but when you did that, it wasn't that bad. Right. But then once you stopped, once you outsourced it and you're like, oh, I mean, I ain't never going back to that. Now imagine going to a model with no inventory and you're, you're not spending, you don't have this like inventory cost and you don't have to ship like that. That's where we are now with print on demand. It's like, holy smokes. I, I want to spend all my time over here. I don't want to, I don't want to step back into that FBA. Oh my gosh, I got to make my own shipments. So I was like, go back one more step to where you had to ship your own orders. Right, like people, people forget that. Go back before that, before you didn't have Amazon Keepa sales rank data and you had to make buying decisions off of eBay completed, right? Then go back before that. Like you didn't even have that information. You were just like, I don't know what people want. Let's just buy a bunch of stuff. Hopefully we get it right. Like it's, so, we have it so good now. Yeah. Like if you can read a Keepa graph, if you're an Amazon seller, you know what's selling and you know how it's selling for and you know that the number one day that it sells and you know the worst, like, we have so much data. It's, a, it's an Incredibles quote that I always, always bring back. When everyone's special, when everyone's smart, when everyone has all the data, then no one is. No one's special. No one cares, right? Like, we don't take it as like, oh, we have powerful information. Like, if you were the only one with an iPhone 15 years ago, you'd feel like Superman. But now that we all have them, we're all Superman, so we don't, we don't care. It's like, no, we're still Superman. Like, it's still good. But it's, we compare. We compare way too much. And I, I definitely understand what you mean as far as getting pushback, because it really is that easy. And oftentimes, I'll encourage people either to start with like retail arbitrage or something. They've never sold anything online before. I'll tell them like, you know, I just did a, a challenge in my mastermind group the other day. I was like, hey, publish a book this weekend. It's not that hard. Here's some videos that'll get you, you know, and, and that was the challenge because and people often, they're, they're nervous about that because they're like, wait, wait, you mean I don't have to pay $2,000 for a course and I don't have to, what? Is it, what? And so, yeah, I, I totally get that. So in terms of profitability, though, I mean, print-on-demand has a different profitability method than, you know, if I find a really great product and I can be a little bit unique, right? And I can put that product on the market and there's a lot of demand, right? Yeah, I had to pay for inventory, but I could be a really good seller, you know? And so with print on demand, how, you know, how do we get to profitability and what do you see as the roadblocks to profitability? It's definitely different, right? So if you're an Amazon seller, so if you're, say you're doing arbitrage, right? And you're selling Disney products and you're selling Paw Patrol and you're selling whatever. Um, I used to think I was this awesome seller. I was like, oh man, look how many of these I'm selling. Like I'm, I'm selling. I'm like, no, I ain't selling nothing, right? This is a trusted marketplace that Amazon has built that gets the customers to show up and Disney runs all their TV shows, getting all the kids to want it. And they tell their parents and the parents go to Amazon and buy it. I am, I'm like a very small part of that entire transaction, right? So if I wanted to make my own, hey, this Paw Patrol, you know what? I'm going to make my own dog in a police car and I'm going to sell it. You know who's going to buy it? Nobody, because there's no brand recognition. Nobody cares about it. Nobody knows about it. Doesn't matter if it's cheaper. Doesn't matter if it's FB. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. So when you're a seller and you're selling other people's products, you're able to piggyback on some of that demand. 
And then if you're selling your own products, you know what, I'm going to make my own, uh, you know, Moscow mule mugs. I'm going to make my own kitchen utensil sets. You know, there are people who are looking for kitchen utensil sets and you can run ads against, you know, top sellers and do all these things to get people to say, look, you should buy my kitchen utensil set because it's better. It's got features, it's got these benefits. Now you start getting into print on demand. It's even worse, right? So I'm not here to tell everybody good news, right? This is the hard part right? The entire process is five to 10%. I used to say 10%. People are like, no, man, it's probably more like 5%. 5% having a good product. 5%. The other 95% is getting people to care about that product. And people don't want to do that because they come from this retail arbitrage or I put a sticker on my Disney product, send it in and it sells in 24 hours. I'm like, I'm an awesome seller. I was like, I wish, I wish I could put a sticker on my books and send them in and they'll sell automatically, but it doesn't work that way. I have to get people to care about my books. I have to get people to care about my designs enough that they're going to, you know, give up their money in exchange for my products. So it has its pros and it has its cons and it kind of depends what someone's skill set is and where they want to spend their time because you can certainly create a lot of demand and pack in a lot of value into more so on the KDP side. Merch, it's apparel. There's only so much value you can get out of a t-shirt, but you can put mastermind information. You can put group access. You can put digital assets. You can put unlisted video content into a book. And now you can start selling that book for up to $250. I wish, I wish so much you could go higher. It used to be you go to $3,000 for a CreateSpace book, uh, which would have been amazing. Like I, I should have done it in the past. I should have published the $3,000 book and you get like a, you know, a one day event, you know, in, in your hometown. Like you could do all kinds of things if you bought the book, just so people be like, that's the guy who wrote the $3,000 book. Like, yeah, I didn't make any money on it. Cause I had to like do all this stuff, but I did it right now. It's up to 250, but you can still pack stuff in. Cause if you sell $250 book, you're going to make like $180 royalty or, or whatever it is. You can run the numbers and then you sell 10 of those a day or you sell hundred a day, or you do some kind of marketing or some kind of advertising, uh, you know, to get people to care about your book to say, yes, there is more value in this book than $200. So you should buy it and they buy it and they love it. And they, they give you five star reviews and they tell their friends and now you have a $200 product that you can give away. And I don't know how many secrets should we give away today? Uh, all you, the secrets. You get, I, I don't, I'll tell everybody the secrets. Everybody can look this Demand up. Demand all the secrets. <laughs> I'll do this. All right. So here we go. This, this is just for you guys. All right. So this is, this is my online arbitrage book. This is the newest version. I wrote it originally in 2014, sold it as a $300 book, went to the top, I think it went to 888 or 988. So it broke the top 1000 on Amazon for a $300 book. And it was print on demand. So I'd have to ship, I didn't have to print, I didn't have to do anything, but I included a one hour phone call. So if you want to learn this, this process, you could get me on the phone, got everything that's in here. You got the group membership. It's got 50 unlisted videos. Like, it was a good value. I actually took it away because like too many people were like, I, my schedule was like, no, I can't keep doing these, these calls. So I republished it this year. Uh, it's priced down at 99 bucks, but here's, here's the, that's, that's the retail price, right? My author cost is under $7, right? So I want people to kind of get creative with the margin here, right? Cause we have margin in a product. Then you can play around. People want to talk about ads and all these things. Dude, just give product away. Like <laughs> I would rather give product away for, as an advertising and a marketing budget than, than running ads and all that. But Hey, do both, do whatever, whatever works for you. I can give this away and with shipping under $12, right? So Andy, I can say, Andy, you just want a copy of my book, you know, send me your address and I will, I will drop this in the mail for you for 12 bucks. Amazon will do the entire thing on demand. They will print it. They'll put it in a package and send it to whatever address in a, not the whole country, about six different countries though, including the U S and drop it to you. Now you get it and you're like, I just want a hundred dollars. And I'm like, yeah, but it only cost me 12. So I'm able to really impress you. If I give, Hey, Andy, you want to copy my $12 book? You'd be like, yeah, I guess. But like, you know, I could just buy it. It's only 12 bucks. 
But if I give you a hundred dollar book, now you're impressed. There's margin that you can play with. Or I could say, hey guys, at the end of every one of my podcast shows, like, hey, I'm giving away a copy of my book. Just sign up for my email list. I pick, I pick three winners every week for my email list. And now you're collecting emails by giving away three copies a week, 36 bucks, right? But they're not thinking as, as like the, the listeners saying that's a hundred dollar book because them it's a hundred, especially if it's an Amazon audience, they'll get this book and sell it, right? And they'll, they'll make 70, 80 bucks after fees, right? Like they, they can undercut Amazon when they get the, <laughs> their copy, they can read it and then they can sell it and, or, and move on anything that they want with it. So the margins that you can build in to me give so many creative marketing strategies. Uh, and, and that's where, where I, I think it's really fun. And I, I, here's kind of the, the biggest, well, a second big tip for everybody. You can use these platforms for yourself. Or once you understand these platforms, you can say, oh my gosh, for Pete's sakes, my friend who runs this business would do so well with their own self-published books. Let me go and help them. Let me, let me go, I'll, I'll run your account for you. Or all of the wholesale sellers out there, all the private label sellers that are listening to this. If you guys had your own recipe book that you could bundle in with the, the kitchen, the home and kitchen products that you're currently selling and for your author cost, this book's big. That's why my author cost is like seven bucks. My author cost on smaller books, $2 and 50 cents. And I can include that. And that book doesn't have any of the limitations that Amazon's going to give you about marketing, uh, about, you know, calls to action. It's a book. Yeah. The book has a call to action in it. The book isn't a call to action. The book is a book. So in the book it says, Hey, for more recipes, come to my website and join my Facebook group and Hey, get 10% off your next Amazon order. Just sign up for your email. Now you're collecting customer information, even from people who aren't buying from any of your, your, your promoted posts or your, your, your Amazon ads, whatever it might be. And that book sells for 1995, but it's included with your mixer for free. So now they're like, Hey, I'm going to buy this one. This one has a $20 book in, in, like, included. It's like, well, yeah, well, you know, it's going to cost you $2.50. You make $2.50 less margin, but now you just you know, boosted your sales by 20%, right? Like now you have some, so many things you can play around with and test. You don't have to like, you can write the book and order five copies and just try it out. Like you don't have to invest in thousands of vanity copies and have a pallet of them in your garage and be like, oh, it's got a spelling mistake and now we're screwed. No, you have a spelling mistake, upload a new file. Who cares? Uh, there's, there's so many creative things that you can do if you have any type of audience, whether it's customers as an Amazon seller uh, or you know, just on social media, if you're a podcaster, if you're a YouTuber, uh, I think everybody should have a book. I think it's just hard enough that most people won't do it. So the ones who actually do it are going to get, they're going to reap so much of the benefits. My first book was published almost nine years ago. And I remember being like, this is, this is not good. This is too easy. I should not be a published author, right? Like I just kind of hobbled it together. And I, but I said that cause I thought everybody would do it. And then when everybody did it, then it wouldn't be cool or special anymore to be a published author. And here we are almost a decade later. And I, I don't think that needle has been moved up. It hasn't even been budged. If you're a published now, author, a people, people treat you different. It. Yeah, They're this not. was it's my just first book enough. that I did when I, it's, it's called The Professional Path Tracker. And I did this and I just learned by just, watching a couple YouTube videos and yep. I had it done in a weekend. So, you know, I don't know why people don't give it a shot. So speaking of which, Chris, oh, there you go. Very nice t-shirt designs. It's a one hour book, right? Look, all the pages are the same. <laughs> this isn't even a real book, but it's still a real, it is a real book, right? Yeah, like, this is not a, this isn't Harry designing. Potter. Right, yeah. not like write Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> well, just you something. Could. So it's you could hey, that. if you're doing that, go for it. Go for right. it. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.